0: What's up, Redemption? How you doing? John Hendricks here, as always, for another episode of the Threshing Floor Podcast. On this week's episode, we've got all kinds of content from beyond the veil, beyond the curtain. We're going to be sitting down with card designer and longtime elder of the game, Gabe Isbell. We're going to be talking about some design decisions that happened with the Son of God cards within the Israel's Deliverance starter decks that are coming out, some GOC stuff also talking about the process of getting the foil cards that are going to be making their debut with the national promos this year so we've got all of that plus we're going to be picking out our week five winner of a contender deck and a play mat before giving you the final question trivia question for week six as we wrap up our six week giveaway here on the podcast so thank you for being here and we'll get right into it All right. Thank you for joining for another episode of the Threshing Floor podcast. My name is John Hendricks, and this week I'm back in the lead host role. I want to make sure that we thank John Early for last week kind of filling in and making sure that we had an episode. So off the top here, we'll make sure we acknowledge that. And thank you, John, for helping out last week. Our guest this week is going to be Gabe. Everyone knows Gabe from the community on the leadership team. How you doing, Gabe?
1: Hey, I'm doing good, John. Thanks a lot for having me back.
0: Yep. Always, always good to talk to you guys and kind of get a little bit of uh, perspective from the other side. And sounds like we're going to have a lot of stories from you tonight.
1: I do. I've always got stories to tell.
0: So I will say that we're starting off this podcast with a a familiar feel. If you guys recall a few weeks ago, it was actually the last time that Brad was on. It was on the episode that we'll refer to as the copyright issue episode, uh, infamously, where we played Carmen and got copyright flagged.
1: I love that episode, by the way.
0: <laughs> I mentioned that on that episode, I believe that Justin had come and bailed us out with the office being locked up. You remember that? My employee, yes, Justin? Yeah. Well, yep. we're going to have to start this podcast off by giving Justin another shout out because I drove the rental truck to work. And I did not have a key to my office. Now, we have a keypad that if we're driving through the building, we can come inside. So I used the keypad. I didn't acknowledge that I needed the key until I got to my office. And so no key, pulled out my phone, texted, are you awake? Justin came and unlocked the door. So just want to give uh, some acknowledgement to Justin for helping us out here and letting the podcast actually happen as scheduled on the recording anyway. So, shout out to Justin.
1: That's awesome. Thank you, Justin. He's made the podcast as many times as I have now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we're going to have to put some redemption cards in his hand at some point. (laughs) Yep. So, we'll start off by talking about some recent news and content within the community, and we'll just kind of go through these pretty quickly. Redemption with Jaden released his weekly Thursday video, which is titled Defense to the Rescue. I'm not entirely sure what that means, except for the I, – I watched about five to ten minutes of it, and he was talking about a game where the deck didn't perform the way that he wanted to, so they recorded another game. I'm guessing it's some kind of, you know, way to make alternative rescues using your defense or whatnot or creating side battles on defense, perhaps. Who knows? But that video is up. Definitely, again – It feels like we talk about a lot of videos here on the podcast that we haven't watched yet, but that's just because there's so many videos coming out definitely on the to-do list. And also he's got live tournament gameplay. I believe he's got two videos up for his zoom invitational gameplay. And then also the tournament that happened this past Sunday, which is weird to say because we're recording this Sunday night, but when you receive this, it will be this past Sunday. There was a classic local online and he has some gameplay footage from that.
1: Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool that he was streaming his games today. Um, I had some time this afternoon, and I haven't watched his defense to the rescue yet, but I did tune in and watch part of uh, a classic game that he was playing this afternoon. They went to time, and he won at the time limit, uh, five to one or two, I believe, uh, but that was it was fun watching a little bit of classic action.
0: Yep, so also our friend Tyler Stevens he has a video that came out at this point. It's almost been out a week, but we didn't mention it last week because it came out after the podcast. It's called the harp package or the harp package makes its debut. And this is basically using, you know, David's harp with David, the psalmist to get a play first ability. And generally, I believe most of the time they're going into Song of Moses as the card the enhancement that involves music that you get to play first to bring out your heroes and set up your territory disruptors or whatnot or get the ball rolling on whatever your ideal rescue is so that's definitely something that is worth checking out especially if you haven't got your hands on david's harp and seen some of the ways that you can incorporate it into a deck and we all know that with Tyler's mind, you know, you might have to watch the whole video and take out just like three nuggets that you can apply to your, your own deck building. But like, there's always something that you grab, grab, even if you're not going to build the deck that he's doing. So definitely nice to watch those videos.
1: Yeah. There's always some valuable nuggets in there. I feel like there's more that you can do with that heart package too. He just touched it on it, uh, you know, scratch the surface. Um, it was really cool to see Song of Moses get some play though. That's a card that is often, uh, because of the uh, symmetry there, not seen play, but he found a way to uh, take advantage of that symmetry and, and you know make it one-sided for him. That was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, and also, I guess worth noting that you can take advantage of the music theme, I guess, if you go to Nationals and you get your hands on a new full art music leader. So there's a little bit of uh, foreshadowing for some conversation to come up later.
1: Yeah, shiny, foil, music leader.
0: Right. So I guess we'll uh, use that to jump into, well, actually, one more video. One more video. Guys, there's so much much video content now. Rob M. from Rob M. Studios has Zoom tournament gameplay, but also, and I'm telling you this in advance, so I don't have to say I haven't seen it yet because no one's seen it yet, but releasing on 529, so a week from when we're recording, five days after you will get this podcast. There is going to be a video on his channel for Redemption National Tournament history. He had gone over the participation promos from the first nationals, our first promo on, and now he's going to be focusing on the history of nationals from 2016 to 2021, which include new winter promos that started back in 2016. 2016 was the first year to get first, second, and third, you know, unique winner promos, and those have continued since. So I'm guessing he's going to be featuring all of those and talking about the, uh, I guess, the rarity of those. So definitely interested in seeing that video. So make sure that you make a reminder to see that on May 29th. And then that will now carry us into some tournament results or tournament updates. We've got Lackey Grand Prix. Number three, some people might call it an electric bumblebee. I'm not real sure what the the connection is there, but there's that. We've got the top cut, which is the top four for the Grand Prix number three. And those are Rob Smith, Luke Marshall, Jaden Allstead, and Matt, I believe, Sinclair is his last name.
1: That sounds right to me.
0: And those are the top four. And so we've got one match that has already happened, and that is Rob defeated Luke Marshall. So he's moving on to face the winner of Jaden and Matt, and they will actually be playing their game. It's scheduled to be played on Monday. So if you take into account that we're recording on Sunday and you will get this on Tuesday, we're not going to be able to tell you the winner. (laughs) So you'll you'll have to check that out. And then in the coming week, rob smith will play the winner of that to determine who the winner of the third iteration of the lackey grand prix is
1: rob smith is really making a name for himself lately he's uh he's had some pretty successful tournaments
0: he is it's
1: nice to see him coming into his own
0: it's it's nice to see too that he's he's kind of experimenting with different deck types and whatnot not sticking to the same same deck and i think right now he's i don't know if he's currently playing that in the or what he played in top cut in their game but I know he was on angel party towards the end of the I guess regular matchups for Lucky grand prix so it could be that that Rob's found a, a nice little win streak with angel party which is a fun deck to play and fun deck to see
1: it is a deck that's only going to get better after phase two as well
0: right Uh, And that is an original deck idea, I guess, from our friend Jeremy Chambers. Yep. Uh, Also, the Zoom Invitational, second iteration of that. Week three pairings are now up. And so make sure you get your game in for that. And I guess that's the end of the tournament updates. I was hoping to be able to tell you a little bit about Minnesota States, but that got rescheduled due to them having to use the facilities for a funeral and some other outside circumstances. So we don't have any results from that. So that'll move us right into picking a winner for our riddle for week five and providing you with the final riddle or question. It's actually going to be a question because I couldn't come up with another riddle. (laughs) Uh, So let's see. The week five riddle was provided to us from our friend John last week, and it was out of the eater came something to eat, and out of the strong came something sweet. So the answer is honey from a lion, which is a rotation legal card. I think that was also mentioned as part of it. And this week we had 22 unique correct answers.
1: Nice. Is that the most you've had,
0: John? I believe so. I think we had close to that number last week. Participated, but there was a there was a fair number of Melchizedek because later on, um, I f- I forget where in the New Testament it mentions that Melchizedek's parents couldn't be or his his lineage couldn't be or it wasn't known or whatever. So.
1: Yeah, it says something along those lines in the book of Hebrews.
0: Right, and so we got a lot of that, and I I almost felt bad enough to, but then I was like, eh, we're just going with the riddle. That's that's more of a a point-blank trivia question. So we ended up not giving credit for Melchizedek, but um, I think this week nobody got it wrong. All the answers were correct, so 22 participants, 22 correct answers. So with that, we'll get ready to spin our little wheel here. And I'm gonna I'm not gonna lie to you guys. I know that for the ones that have not won yet, you probably don't want to hear this, but I'm kinda hoping one of our winners from the previous week's wins so that we can give two things away here. So I guess we'll see.
1: So this week is for a playmat and a and a contender deck, right?
0: Correct. And the contender deck is of the winners choosing from whatever is currently available on your turn games. Nice. So let's see. We've got our wheel with 22 names. I don't I don't know what I'm going to do for next week because I'm pretty sure looking at this wheel with 22 names and 22 entries that next week I'm not going to be able to use this app. I'll, I think I'll break the app <laughs> because next week's where you get entries. Everybody can have up to four entries because you get the reviews in with next week's as well. So I'm probably going to have to go to the old school, write names down, shake them in a box and pick one out. All right, let's see if I can find my, my drum roll here. All right, the winner is Annalise Murphy. Oh, that's Kai's daughter. So she will be getting to pick out a contender deck from our friends at Your Turn Games and from our sponsors at Covenant Games you will be getting a threshing floor playmat which i also saw that Emmanuel shared pictures of his playmat that he got and those things really look good like i know that John was worried about them with the the image being cut off the way that he had to use the template or whatever but they turned out fantastic
1: yeah, they uh, they look a lot better in person than they do online, and they look good online to me, so yeah. that's that's pretty awesome.
0: Also, the uh, Covenant Games logo was changed, like the hue was changed to kind of match the color scheme of the mat instead of the uh, the one that's on, like, John's, you know, profile image or whatever on Discord, and that's on the, yep. the website or the, the new store portion of the website. So Annalise Murphy is our winner for week five. And week six is going to also be a contender deck and a play mat from our our friends at Your Turn Games and Covenant Games. And those also will include the entries for your reviews if you've submitted those for the podcast. And if you haven't, you can submit up to three anywhere that you can review the podcast and just use the same form to submit an image showing that you reviewed the podcast and you can get up to three additional entries into next week's drawing. So if you do that and you get the correct answer, then you will have a max of four entries. So this week is going to be a redemption trivia question. And so for week six, for all the marbles to close out our giveaway, the question is going to be for someone like you, Gabe, this is probably going to be an easy answer. But who created the fan created redemption star Wars set. And we're looking for first and last name. So who created the star Wars redemption fan made set? I should
1: probably know this, but I have a guess, but I don't, I actually don't know that I know this one, John.
0: Oh, nice. So it's going to require some digging. The answer should be relatively accessible but not easy to find per se, but you should be able to find it. So if for whatever reason we're halfway through the week and we don't have any one that has answered correctly, then maybe we'll come back and give a hint or, or point you in the right direction of where to find that. But the images were recently shared on discord and you should be able to use that and some other resources to find the answer. And you, you really don't know off the top of your head I,
1: I don't I have uh, I have a pretty good guess uh, I obviously I won't say it out loud here on the podcast because I don't want to give anything away if I'm right uh, or I don't want to send anybody the wrong direction if I'm wrong <laughs> um, but I, I honestly don't know um, I remember seeing that uh, I mean years ago when I started playing Kevin Shride had a binder with uh, those and uh, like the Holy Hand Grenade and a bunch of uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy cards and he loved all that oddball stuff. Um, So I've definitely seen them all, and I I know I've heard stories about who made what, but I don't remember offhand who made the Star Wars ones.
0: Well, maybe you can just get in on the fun and and go through and try to find it and search it out. It's like a scavenger hunt through all the resources that Redemption has.
1: I, I definitely will.
0: I guess with that, we'll turn our attention to the fact that Nationals is only 67 days away if Alexa did not lie to me. Because instead of counting days, I just asked Alexa, how many days until July 28th? Artificial
1: intelligence never lies, John. <laughs> um, and, until it tries to take over the world. <laughs> Ray, yeah, right? <laughs> um, no, it's it's really close. It's only about two months away. Uh, super excited to have everybody here.
0: Yep. and definitely excited to go and, uh, you know, pick out a few cornfields and take some pictures to show my wife where we're going.
1: <laughs> yeah. You're lucky there'll be some bays of hail you can stand by oh, some nice. cornfield. It's gonna be awesome.
0: Uh with that, I guess we'll we'll mention that Israel's deliverance. We've talked about it on the podcast several times. It is releasing at Nationals for uh well, I guess pre-releasing, it's not going to be made in its final form and available to the general public. They are just going to be testing out a pre-release version of it for sealed deck. And this week we got two more spoilers for it. And those are given to Israel and displeased Philistines. And these are mirrored. So the good one is purple. And the numbers on it is 5-2, good enhancement. The ability is negate and evil enhancement. Discard all evil enhancements in battle. So potential, you know way to win the negate war that you might find yourself in here negate an evil enhancement and then discard all evil enhancements so could end up being a battle winner or it's just the best version of a negate because it gets rid of everything prior played and then on the other side you have displeased philistines which is going to be black mono brigade the numbers on it are one in five and it again negate a good enhancement and then discard all good enhancements in battle Those are the two new spoilers that we have, which is really just one card because the decks are mirrored. So we're one card closer to finding out the full scope of the deck. I didn't have enough time this week, but I wanted to kind of go back and see all the images we have. I have no idea how close we are to filling out these decks. Like it feels like we should be at least halfway on them.
1: I think we're about two-thirds of the way. Chris has a list of which images I'm supposed to give them every week, and I think we're about two-thirds of the way down that list, so we're getting close. I was counting today, and I think there's about 10 weeks' worth of spoilers left. Uh, which means we got about 20 cards left out of the 54. Nice. Right, here's a fun little fact for you. These cards are mirrored, right? So they're mirroring the the other deck. K34 given to Israel is a mirror of K th- or L34 in the other deck, and uh, that's a fun reprint of a, a card that you know, anybody who's been playing for a while or knows classic cards is familiar with. Um, on the other side of that, the L card is called Burning Bush. So negate uh, an evil enhancement and discard all evil enhancements in battle. Uh, very familiar to the original Burning Bush card from Patriarchs.
0: It's nice to see that some of these cards are really paying good homage to some of the classic cards and the things that like throughout the history of the game, you know, like we've seen um, Bravery of David come back. You've got Displeased Philistines here. You mentioned Burning Bush, just pulling yeah. all those. Samuel's Edict and... Even though they're not going to be in their previous form, especially the ones that were broken, you know, like Bravery of David and things of that nature, but using those in the starter decks to introduce the game to a new generation of players while still having kind of, oh, you can go back and realize that these cards back in their day was very meta-relevant cards. It's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, yeah, kind of bonkers. We showed up in a lot of decks. Um, There's a a card similar to Displeased Philistines that was very popular in Egyptian decks back in the day. And um, so K50 is uh, an Egyptian enhancement that would negate a good enhancement and discard all good enhancements in battle. Um, And that is titled Ruthless. Oh, yeah. So anybody who is uh, familiar with the 10 cards, I believe Faith of Our Fathers uh, would uh, definitely know the Ruthless Enhancement in their Egyptian decks.
0: Yeah, nice to see them reusing some of those titles.
1: Yeah, like you say, a fun way to pay homage. And yeah, just a little nostalgia for the the players that have been around who really don't need starter decks, but maybe use them for sealed deck. And you know, starter decks are mostly designed for the new players, but it is a fun way to make it fun for everybody or relevant for everybody.
0: That'll bring us into our first spoiler for GOC Phase 2. And we mentioned Angel Party earlier. And so the first couple of these, they're they're more spoiled because they're with the Nativity set, but they are angels. And so you could see them potentially in something like that. But more or less, they're, they're for Nativity. But, you know, more angels that are coming out in Phase 2, it seems like there's a ton of them, which... I'm not complaining about that, but this one right here, I I guess just to stay relevant with what's happening in Discord, this one kind of sparked or it might be the next one, the the Messianic Messenger. Yeah. But uh one of these two cards, when it was spoiled, sparked a conversation about angel artwork and the fact that we're using comic book style images and, you know, not other artwork. And you mentioned that that's just because there's not really a lot of that available that's public use public domain so i figured it would just be nice to mention it here i i also brought out the point that especially like knowing that my son when he sees the angel cards um or even even i mean if we're going to be honest like the demons too just like they they just pop with kids i don't i don't know what makes them pop so much with kids but like i know my kid i showed him the gabriel artwork that came out, and Gabriel's one that I'm really looking forward to because I just, like, I really like the the image that was used for that and the way that it looks, and also I know that from the Archangels comics that I invested in a set of those, so it's just a familiar piece, and I showed it to him. He likes it for that, but Angels just seem to, like, the comic book style appeals to younger kids, but the fact that we already have them on, I guess, license our, our ability to use them from... Cactus is the reason that those are being used. I just figured we could, you know, share that bit of conversation since it came up, you know, put it on the podcast yeah, here.
1: Uh, yeah. Angels, definitely angels and demons. They both resonate with kids. They have, as long as I could remember, since I've been in the game, I've noticed that they resonate with kids. It's the reason that we had a 12, 12 uh, meek Legion of angels in the INJ deck. Um, that was totally designed to be a kiddie card. They love big characters, so let's make it the biggest character we can. 12 is kind of the top of the stats um, and didn't even need an ability. It's just big. It's an angel, and kids love that type of stuff. Uh, but they definitely – I think they're more drawn to the comic book art, too, than the classic art. But um, honestly, at least in all my searches and, and John Early, who does a lot of the art searches for us, um, we've looked high and low trying to find good quality angel art. And the way that angels are depicted in classic art a lot of times um, just doesn't appeal to us and doesn't seem to be high quality and and doesn't go the direction that we're looking for. So honestly, the comic book art is one of the best options that we have. So I'm super thankful for it because otherwise we'd be pretty limited.
0: I guess we'll use that to get into the first one here, which is, you know, you mentioned kids liking big characters, 12-12 being the top of the stats. Well, this guy is 12-12. Yep. He's titled Magnifying Multitude. On the artwork, you've got four angels pictured. And this is a warrior class. It has the identifiers of generic, so you can run multiple copies in type 2. And it's nativity, and it has an X identifier, and X equals number of cards in hand. You guys have mentioned that that's one of the themes in nativity is to have low numbers in hand. But the ability is well, I guess it has a star ability first, and that's to top deck, a nativity hero from deck, which is you know pretty pretty good, and the fact that you get to use that with the star, we know that the star is made to support nativity. you may yeah. draw two, so right now we're thinking that Tyler created this card, just the the running joke here. <laughs> if it draws two, it's Tyler. Negate evil cards with toughness X or greater. So X or greater is the number of cards in hand. So if you have one card in hand, then anything over one uh, toughness is going to be negated. And then cannot be prevented. Pretty, Pretty strong card. And this one being that there's no unity on it. And then number of cards in hand. I don't know how well Angel Party likes to have cards in hand or whatnot after they do the banding because you're drawing and stuff. And this one does have a, you may draw too. So you can choose not to draw, I guess, or actually the, yep. the X does it on this card. It it would update once you draw, right? It X is yeah, dynamic. It
1: negates an ongoing ability. Um, it's going to continue to update that X as the cards in your hand change.
0: Yeah. So this is one that will be played in nativity and you could potentially see it outside of that with some, some other angel decks, but this one, the artwork is pretty cool. Did did you guys, I don't know if you noticed this, but uh, just glancing at the artwork, the, I guess the fire image at the top that's coming down and radiating through the picture kind of reminds me of the artwork on Foretelling Angel. Uh, maybe maybe I'm just reaching there, but that's what I thought when I first saw that is, is that.
1: I hadn't noticed that. Now, now you got me going to dig up my Foretelling Angel and take a look at him.
0: Oh, well. <laughs> I mean, I could be be completely wrong i mean that, oh, that's just, it's
1: the same style he's kind of got like the the lightning fire stuff coming out on him is green, but then the background right. is that kind of deep orange um yeah that's that's kind of cool
0: so that's multiply uh magnifying multitude, not multiplying magnitude <laughs>
1: <laughs> easy for you to say
0: <laughs> magnifying multitude so. That will uh, bring us into the next one, and the next one is also warrior class, and it's called the Messianic Messenger, and the numbers are 2-9, it is Silver Brigade, it has the Identifiers of Nativity and Prophet, and immediately, Angel, Prophet, you know, you start thinking uh, what you could do with that, just the fact that it's called a Prophet, but... The ability is you may take a good nativity card from deck or reserve if opponent has hand advantage again nativity is wanting the opponent to have hand advantage if you do not may ban to a nativity hero cannot be interrupted and this one's got some pretty cool artwork it's got the hand extended out from the angel and it's reaching outside of the frame a little bit the one of the legs is kind of Stepping out of the image frame and behind the text frame for the ability. So this one's got a lot of the artistic elements that you guys have been working with. How, how much fun is it to do? try to try to pick out some of these cards and get some of that artwork where it drips over the border and whatnot?
1: Well, it's, it's really fun. Um, John and I both love finding opportunities for that. Um, I think I had shown on Discord the original art we had on this guy when we first uh, mocked up the cards and started entering playtesting. And it was after that um, that I found a number of pieces of art from the comic book that we hadn't used yet. And we decided to kind of make that the overarching theme that we used for both the angels and demons. We ended up switching out a bunch of art. And so when we switched out to this piece, uh, I was really excited because of all the opportunities to do those 3D effects there. Um, I love the way the scroll pops out. In fact, I think around that time, I was so excited that I just took the top of this card, didn't even show you guys the name, and just kind of, I think we would already maybe even spoiled part of Messianic Messenger, so you guys had seen the old art on it, possibly. And then I just showed this one popping out or something. Um, Of course, nobody knew it was the same card because we switched the art up on everybody. But yeah, I, I love doing that and finding opportunities to do that. John, John Early has a really good eye for it, too. He's always uh, be like, Gabe, have you seen this one? Have you tried this? <laughs> <So> he's <laughs> always bringing new ideas to me.
0: Nice, nice. So that's how he earns his keep on the team, I see. <laughs>
1: one of many ways, one of many ways. He's got a lot of years of experience under his belt, and they help us in uh, more ways than I would do credit to try and mention them right now.
0: <laughs> nice, nice. That will... You know, complete the angels that we have from nativity, from what was spoiled this week, um, and then that brings us into. We've got a couple of heroes here coming up. Do you want to? You want to run over this one, Gabe?
1: Yeah, sure. The shepherds of Bethlehem. I believe Marcus spoiled this one for us. Um, it is a white nine-seven hero. It is a generic nativity card has a great piece of JJ to art on there where uh, Mary is holding the infant Jesus and the shepherds are all gathered around worshiping. And um, the special ability says you may play and negate a lost soul from a deck. If opponent has hand advantage, toss all evil enhancements with a brigade not already in battle. Um, so kind of a good version of high priest Ananias uh, with a soul gen ability built in and um, that's another way that nativity gets some value is uh, you're not you're not wanting to hold enhancements in hand you can generate the souls when you go out you're trying to make sure that what your opponent does doesn't work and you don't need enhancements and stuff in hand to back you up Um, so in between the 12 12 angel we saw above who if you empty your hand he's negating all evil cards or or this guy that can be tossing things and uh, John the Forerunner, who we've already spoiled, who can make sure that a lot of guys can't block by paralyzing them if they're in territory. nativitys uh, it's trying to win without a hand.
0: John the Forerunner looks so good.
1: He, he is. He's a lot of fun.
0: So this right here, being able to play and negate a lost soul from a deck is a fantastic answer for some of the things that we've got going on that came out in... Maybe not exactly phase one because the first didn't come out in phase one, but um, came out around the same time.
1: So I'd assume that you could play and negate the first as well. And Marcus uh, quickly chimed in and, and reminded us that when you play the soul, the ability on that soul completes and then the negate would kick in. So the first would remove itself from play and it wouldn't be there to negate it. If you play the first. So playing the opponent's first to negate it isn't going to help you, but you could play your own the first and draw off it. I was thinking it was of the first counter too until Marcus corrected us.
0: Good old Marcus keeping us honest.
1: (laughs) Marcus always comes to the rescue, doesn't he? He does. Yep, he's always keeping us honest. I I love that guy. I'm so thankful for, for his knowledge of the rules.
0: All right, so that'll bring us into the Magi, and the Magi is three and three. It's a white nativity hero. That's the only identifier that it has, and it has a star ability to top deck a New Testament star card from deck. The ability on it is may ban to a nativity hero, or if opponent has hand advantage, you may take a star card from deck. Cannot be negated. So the Magi is going to help you seek out star cards from your deck, and it's a ban piece. If your um, if your opponent has hand advantage, which is what you're trying to do, ensure they do that, then you get to take the star card from deck, and that would include taking the star, which would let you then activate several star abilities when you play that as a you know being a dominant that activates. I think the identifier on that was how many nativity heroes you have. Was that your recall offhand?
1: Um, I believe it's nativity heroes. Limit six is where that ended up. I'm pretty sure. So it is limited at six, but it's the number of your nativity heroes.
0: Yeah. So, and then with the magi comes a classic re, uh, card reprinted and that's gifts of the magi. And, This one has an Identifier of Nativity. It's an artifact, by the way. Um, So it's an artifact, and it's Nativity Identifier, but may be activated on the Magi. So that gives you another uh, use for the Magi once you've potentially found the star cards that you want. Um, This can be used to activate Gifts of the Magi without taking up your artifact slot. And the ability on it says, you may bounce an evil card in an opponent's territory several options there that you could bounce. immediately. You think of Babel, you think of an evil woes, uh, you know, a character that that's doing something like, uh, the, um,
1: Priest of Zeus. I like to bounce Priest of Zeus. I don't want him out there punishing me. Yeah. And
0: fallen star was the one I was trying to, trying to get to. You could, you could bounce that.
1: Yes. That's another great target.
0: Just the the first line of ability is pretty good. And then if an opponent plays a dominant, you may take a New Testament artifact or a good New Testament card from deck or reserve. So if they play a dominant, you can take New Testament artifact or a good New Testament card from deck or reserve.
1: That's, That's pretty good. I mean, that's a lot of opportunities to get cards for free. Um, I love that it can get anything out of the reserve. Not not quite anything, but it has a very broad reserve access because we all noticed in phase one that good gold is doing a lot of reserving. And anybody that's had their dominance reserved um, would love to have an opportunity to get them back. So we were definitely intentional about putting cards in the set that could get those dominance back out of the reserve for you.
0: And this one kind of has that feel of treacherous land to where you're just basically if an opponent has a dominant they're going to want to play that dominant because dominants are the strongest cards in the game and just you being able to generate yep. value based on them playing cards that they feel they have to play when they get the chance not to mention you can take a new testament artifact so they can play a dominant if it's your turn they play a dominant and then you grab you could grab your cross and then shut off their dominance from that point forward to punish them for playing the one dominant. That's that's pretty cool because you know you're going to have your artifact slot freed up because this is going to activate on your magi. So, that's pretty good. Seems like a a nice little uh yeah. card generation system for uh the nativity theme.
1: Yeah, another reason you don't necessarily have to have a large hand if you have cards generating the the value that you need. Um, such as Gifts of the Magi, Treacherous Land you mentioned is another card that I ran in my Nativity deck so that I didn't have to have cards in hand when my opponent's doing things. Um, I'm going to gain cards that I can hopefully use to to continue to progress the game for me.
0: With this theme, did you also use um, Ends of the Earth to, to grab you an enhancement?
1: Um, I don't think that I did in my test deck. Um, Ends of the Earth would have been another great addition. Um, I believe I was using Kingdoms of This World to also uh, generate some value from my souls and my evil characters. Uh, Make sure I had the evil characters out that I could use to get blocks without a lot of other resources to back them up. Um, Herod's was a defense that I liked pairing with these guys.
0: Nice, nice. So we've got one more card left if you want to, Gabe. I'll let let you take the reins on that one.
1: All right. I'm gonna uh, before I jump on that one. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about the Magi for just a moment and just point out that both his star ability and the special ability can get any star card. A lot of times things are limited to alignment. Um, he can get a neutral star card. He can get an evil star card. And there's a lot more evil star cards in Gospel of Christ than we've seen in the previous two sets that had star abilities in them. Um, So there's a lot more targets for him, and it doesn't always have to be a good card, which is uh, a nice bonus. But the last card we have to spoil is called Lost Child Found. It is a 2-4 white enhancement. It is territory class. It also has the nativity identifier. And a star ability that's probably familiar because we've seen this one before. It says play a lost soul from a deck. Um, So not necessarily as relevant now that the beginning of the game is decided by a coin flip, but can still be very valuable. And the special ability on the enhancement that, again, you can play territory class, says if it's used by a nativity hero, interrupt the battle. Bounce up to three other cards except dominance. So it doesn't have to be used by a nativity hero to bounce those three other cards. You can bounce anything you want.
0: That sounds very useful. You could target, and it's not limited. This is kind of like the Magi before. This isn't limited to alignment either. Bounce up to three other cards, so yeah. pretty much anything that's hindering you. Obviously, you could bounce the character, I guess, that you're opposed by or whatnot. So it could be, I guess, a battle winner or just utility to kind of control the territory war, as you know some deck builders have you know labeled it. Yep. winning the territory battle. So seems seems pretty good. And the fact that it's, you know, got the territory class so that you can use it to bounce up to three, even if you're not in battle, That I think that's pretty important.
1: Yeah, players immediately jumped on a cool combo for type two where you get multiple copies of this and multiple copies of some plagues that can mill things off of the opponent's deck. And you play your plagues. You mill a bunch of stuff. You use this to bounce your plagues, and then you play them some more, and basically mill a ton of cards out of your opponent's deck. Um, it takes a little setup in Type Two, but if you can pull something like that off, you could do a lot of damage.
0: Mm, yeah, that that is nice. All these all these slight mentions of cool things that you can do in Type Two. At some point, we're gonna we're gonna start converting some Type One players into Type Two. <laughs>
1: I think we converted a couple this last week. Um, if I remember right, um, Rob Smith and his cousin both said, hey, I think we might have to give type two a try. Um, so as an old school type two player, I haven't played a lot in the last couple of years, uh, but I do love type two. So it's always exciting to see new blood in that category, uh, especially guys like rob smith who are you know kind of coming to his own in type one and is really grasping the game at a pretty deep level Um, type two is a whole other animal to grasp and so that'll be a lot of fun for him
0: yeah i'm completely open to it i just every every time i look at the deck building rules i'm just like eh, maybe not right now (laughs) just (laughs) completely changing gears from type one like feels like it's a whole another beast to kind of tame so it
1: is It's extremely helpful to play the top type two players and just get crushed by them. Um, that's how I started out. and I learned a lot by doing that though. Um, you play those guys and they dominate you, but you see how they're implementing a strategy and you, then you begin to understand the differences between type one and type two. And then you can start to wrap your mind around your own strategies and how to implement them in type two. And uh, it's, it's extremely helpful. So let Jaden or, uh, Tyler, just really whoop up on you in a type two game and you'll learn a ton.
0: So, so you're saying that if I let Chris beat me, then I'm not going to get better? <laughs> probably, probably not. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Chris. Oh, we love to pick on Chris. Yeah. I'm going to his state tournament this weekend or this coming weekend. So I'm excited about that.
1: That'll be a good time. Chris is a uh, premier host. Yes. Premier host.
0: Yeah. I've uh, I've gone to two regionals with him and a state, and I've won a state and a regional there. So I always say that I I have a better chance of winning when I go to Chris's tournaments instead of playing in my own state. So you know that that always makes it exciting to go up there. You feel like you got a better chance, but that also re- yeah. that also requires you to have a deck put together. And I still I've I've been just so busy that I have not I have no idea what I'm going to be playing. So. That's going to be fun. Well,
1: you could always just grab one of Tyler's decks off his channel and, and see how it goes. <laughs> yeah.
0: It worked well for me last time when I borrowed your deck.
1: <laughs> oh, the bomb deck? Yeah. yeah you you don't want to borrow that one. It's really good against some things, and it's actually not very good against other things. Uh, so it it needs some fine-tuning. I would say uh, See the Tree, uh, his version of the Moses deck, is, you're probably better off with that. Um, I think I shared this, but I basically took, Tyler showed a really cool hand control defense using some Pharisees and Roman stuff uh, a few weeks back. And then I went back through some of Jaden's videos and I hadn't played post-exilics since testing LOC. So it'd been a long time. And um, I went back through some of Jaden's videos and saw the way he was playing post-exilics and kind of formatted my own version of that focused on hand control. So I had a lot of hand control in the offense and defense. And I think I posted that deck in the deck channel after I got it together. Um, got to play that for the first time this past Friday with my play group. And that was a really fun deck to play. And it was really powerful. Um, I won the, the coin flip and got to go first. But I, I really kind of dominated my opponent. Um, even though he was a really good player and and uh, knew what he was doing. I just had so much going on so quickly that it was uh, kind of overwhelmed and, and hard to come back from. So I can recommend that one. I, I enjoy playing that.
0: Yeah, I I remember you sharing that one, and I put that into Lackey. I, I never did any, like, test games or anything with it, but I was like, that's a cool concept. Let me put that in. And I put it, and I saved it as, like, Gabe Hand Control. And so it's it, it's in my Lackey. I just I haven't played any games with it. But ironic that you should mention that, because that's one of the last decks that I put into Lackey.
1: So well, there you go. It's probably more accurately called like Jaden Tyler hand control, but um, yeah, you should give that a try. Yeah,
0: I always, I, I usually, when I put one that I found on discord, I put with the name of the person that posted it just so I can go back. If I need to find the picture or whatever, after I've made changes and gotcha. I'm like, what's the original version? Because I've messed something up by tweaking it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you don't understand why a card's there until you're actually playing and you're like, Oh, Oh, that's why they put that. Right. In. Yeah. that I should have kept that.
0: (laughs) So we're getting ready to move into the main conversation here, which is going to be, you know, a collection of things that Gabe wants to share with the community here. But first, I guess I should have done this at the top, but I I just want to uh, take a moment and thank you all for had several people reach out after my uh, after the podcast last week with me sharing the fact that I was in an auto accident and turns out what we knew, the car is totaled. But um, more importantly, I am not totaled. I am doing better. I am improving. And I just wanted to thank all the people that have reached out. I've had several people within the community reach out via DM or call or text. And just want to say thank you guys for, you know, checking up on me. I am doing better. And I'm a little scattered getting the podcast recorded here tonight because my office is kind of torn apart because we're in the process of going through a bunch of stuff at work to decide whether we're moving or whatnot. And then if we do move, what's the, you know, what's important to take and you know, what stuff that we can kind of trim out. And that process for me, it started in the office. And so the office is all tore apart, but getting the podcast recorded here and kind of getting back to, I guess a little bit of normal routine being that now I'm back in the, the host chair last week was kind of awkward being the, the guest and whatnot, but, um, I would also like to say that unfortunately, well, fortunately and unfortunately the baseball saw his shadow and there's going to be six more weeks of baseball in my household because my son did end up making all-stars he uh, he went out for a they did a week of practice before they picked the team with, you know uh, they're going to pick the top 11 and they had about 15 16 kids practicing and so they picked the top 11 kids and he was in the top 11 so we're going to be doing a lot more baseball so if you thought that the podcast was going to get all exciting because i was going to have more time to dedicate it to it jokes on you maybe it'll get more exciting in a couple of weeks and well a few weeks
1: in about six more weeks yeah
0: (laughs) so the the first uh actual tournament for that i believe is like june June 9th, uh, no, I'm sorry, Uh, June 13th. That's what it is. Uh, I pulled up my calendar, and I was looking at May. So June 13th, that week, is our sub-district, so that's the first tournament. So we've got a few weeks to practice, and then we'll be doing that. So life is still going to be a little busy for me, but I am getting better from the auto accident and just wanted to thank you all and let you know kind of an update in that area. So I guess with that... We'll kind of give the floor to you, Gabe, and you've got some stuff you want to share with us, and I'll just let you pick out how you want to start. Okay.
1: Well, I mean, first of all, part of the reason that I'm here sharing is conversations that you and John Early have had, and and John would start to talk about something. He's like, "Nah, you got to ask Gabe about that. So um, there's a few stories. Basically, John just threw me a softball and said, here, you should probably tell people about this stuff. And because he sees a lot of what goes on behind the scenes. So that'll be some of what I share with you guys tonight. Uh, Some of it are things that I've seen people in the community ask for, and uh, some of it are just stuff that I thought you guys might find interesting. Um, So just a few stories to share with everybody tonight. But before we dive into all that, I just want to give one more shout out for Nationals coming up in just over two months. Uh, That's going to be July 28th, 29th, and 30th. It is in North Liberty, Iowa, and uh, besides an amazing time with a really great group of people, uh, honestly, it feels kind of like a family reunion, and if you're like, hey, I don't know this family, I don't necessarily know that that's going to be cool for me, um, man, the Redemption community is so accepting and so welcoming, and I think that you're going to feel like family before the weekend is over, even if you've never met most of these folks before. Um So I've definitely grown to love them. I've attended every Nationals until the pandemic, and I have not made the last two. I'm really excited to get back in the swing of things this year. Um, So besides all those great reasons and a wonderful, fun weekend of redemption, uh, I just want to remind everybody about all the other cool stuff that is happening, like the extra reasons to get here. Um, We got a Nicodemus dual alignment character. Um, he is white and, uh, empty tomb hero on one side. He is gray Pharisee on the other side. He's going to fit in a lot of decks. going to be a really great card. And you can get one of those, each of the three days, every day you participate in a category, one of the main categories we're playing, you get a participation promo. So you could walk away with three Nicodemus promos, um, the Gospel of Christ Phase 2 is coming out, and we are going to get to Booster Draft with Super Packs. So, there'll be an all Gospel of Christ Booster Draft, also, first time that's ever happened. So, I'm super excited about that. Um, we have Sealed Deck with Israel's Deliverance. We are basically uh, play testing uh, the first version, first rendition of a brand new starter deck. Um, In my opinion, the greatest starter deck Redemption's ever released. Uh, I think there have been a vast number of improvements that Chris and Tyler and the rest of our team have brought into this one. I'm super excited about it. Um, Let's see. We have foil promos. Again, another first. Um, We picked out King of Tyrus and Treacherous Land. The community picked out the Humble Lost Soul. These are all, all alternate art and borderless and foil for the top three places. Um, category winners for all five official categories get to create a redemption card that is going to be released in a future set Um, that's the first time we allow five of them and we've kind of changed the program this year a little bit but you're going to get to create a redemption card you'll be able to forevermore look back and say hey i made that card that's that's mine um And we have an amazing number of side events going on. Um, All kinds of categories. You can see the full list on Land of Redemption or the forums. uh, But there's going to be a lot of categories. They're going to be firing off an eight-person pod. So as soon as eight people say, I want to play in this category, we'll call it type one, two-player classic format. Um, Eight people want to do that. We're going to fire that off. They're going to have single elimination, eight-person tournament winner of that gets a foreign wives promo it is borderless i actually have those in hand cuz rob sent me some of the supplies already they look amazing and um, the side event pro, uh, categories are going to have a $5 entry fee um, and then the last special event we're doing is the contender deck iron man your turn games is sponsoring that they're going to hold iron man which is going to run the entire weekend and you get to play Iron Man using contender decks. And I know that their contender deck tournaments have been pretty popular. A lot of people enjoy those. Plus, guess what? Thrashing Floor has given away two of them. So there's two people with no excuse not to play Iron Man. They have a contender deck right in hand. Um, so a lot of great reasons to come to Nationals this year. We can't wait to see you here. It's going to be amazing.
0: You mentioned the, the family feel. And I can tell you that the family last year, when you, when I went for the first time, I, I can tell you there's a, there's a little bit of dysfunction in the family, but they they do have open arms, so that that'll 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 make you feel right at home. Just you don't have to be perfect because they're not perfect, and you just show up and like there there really is. Last year when I went for the first time, I really thought there would be like this slight hierarchy of like okay, the top players are just gonna kind of you know state themselves, and then kind of everybody else here, and there was. I know it was a small field and all, but there was none of that, you know, plus I was a pretty popular guy because I was one of three people with a car. So, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe that helped me feel at home because everyone, everyone needed to ride somewhere.
1: <laughs> that, that's possible. But I mean, honestly, we're talking about uh, a bunch of, uh, For I, I'm going to call us all nerds. I mean, we like to play Bible cards. So um, I guess that, that puts me in the nerd category, but I think nerd is kind of the new cool so, um, yeah, we, we're all fairly accepting and, like you say, a little quirky. Uh, we Every one of us has our quirks. And uh, if you don't think you have any quirks, you might be the quirkiest one. <laughs> so <laughs> watch out for that.
0: Yeah, and we are definitely all nerds. Matter of fact, on, on, yep. on, a, on a nerd level here, let me just say that we have a spare bedroom because there's just me and my wife and I have one child in a three-bedroom house, and so the third bedroom, we've called it a game room for a while. We've got a, a pretty big TV. We've got a seventy-inch TV, and we kind of set it up to where nice. it's kind of like a theater. It's very, you no, know, it's a smaller room, but you know, there's enough distance that we have a big screen, a couch, and that's where we go and watch movies. Uh, the kid plays his video games and stuff, and we've called it a game room for a while. But I finally broke down and I painted it, and we painted it this dark bluish. It's like navy blue, but a little bit darker. It's got like, um, I, 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 it's hard to describe really, but, and then I put glitter in it, uh, black metallic glitter to where it, you know, it looks like stars almost. And we themed it Star Wars. So the whole room is themed Star Wars now. So if you, if you don't think you're a nerd, I'm, I'm nerd enough for both of us. So.
1: I think we're gonna want pictures of that. I I would love to see that. That sounds really cool, John.
0: Okay, well, maybe maybe we can do that.
1: I haven't. Maybe I can convince my wife to let me do that in one <laughs> of our rooms.
0: <laughs> yeah, good good luck there.
1: <laughs> she likes Star Wars, so I got that going for me. My
0: wife hates Star Wars, so I've got that. Oh, I've man. got that against me. <laughs> But
1: (laughs) and and, you still got the room.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, that's because the kid gets whatever he wants. It's not because I wanted it. It's the kid gets what he wants. Oh, gotcha. But she's also
1: it's it's his gaming room.
0: Yeah, she's she's also uh, if if she didn't like Star Wars before, she definitely doesn't like that. There's now shows on Disney Plus like the Mandalorian, Boba Fett. Got the Obi Wan limited series coming out there's just so much. I can't wait for that. There's just so much content from it that it's like, it's in everything.
1: Yeah. I think those shows are really well done. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed those. I watch them with my family and, uh, we, we all enjoy them, but I think they're really
0: well done. Yeah. They're fantastic. So, uh, I guess I won't, I won't pull any, any more into the nerd wormhole. So, uh, we'll, we'll let you. (laughs) We're way down (laughs) the rabbit hole. (laughs) (laughs) We'll, we'll come out of the, come out of the, the star Wars, you know, um, what is it out of uh, hyperspeed and and we'll get right back on here
1: back on track all right well hey one of the things that john had mentioned um i think he said something about the art for the son of gods in the starter deck and um you know we are making that and and in some other games their starters have kind of like a wow card and sometimes it's like a foil card or really powerful card or something. And like the most powerful card in Redemption, the card that you always want to be the wow card is Son of God. Um, You know, we probably have more versions of Son of God than we do anything else, if uh, I'm not mistaken. I think we just have a lot of variants of that out there uh, because it is the iconic card for our game. And so we're like, well, why not make that the wow card? And so I was looking for ways to do that, trying to find some new cool art we had never used before. And I stumbled across like two really awesome pieces that Jeff Haney did years and years ago. And I um, thought it would be really cool if we could get to use these. And I knew Redemption had used like the the hand holding the flaming Redemption sword that is the card back. Like that's a Jeff Haney piece. And they used uh, his art on the authority of Christ um, that is so iconic to all of us from the limited set and from the promo version. So I thought, Yeah, What what does it take to use Jeff Haney art? And I asked Rob, and he's like, "Ah, if I remember right, it was pretty expensive, and I have no idea how to get a hold of the guy. So I started trying to track Jeff down, and I believe uh, Derek had gotten a hold of him and gotten permission to use the Authority of Christ art on a play mat. And um, so I went through some different vendor channels where he was selling some of his newer art. Um, I went through the email address that Derek had used before, I think I tried, like, uh, I'm not on Facebook, so I set up a dummy Facebook account and, like, even tried using Facebook Messenger because it looked like he was on there and, like, did not get a response through any channel whatsoever, nothing. Um, So that kind of dried up and became a dead end, even though it looks so good. Um, So I will share with the community later this week what those look like. Uh, One of them, I think, if you're on Discord, is... uh, like the Lion of Judah um, artwork that is kind of like my my iconic image on there for my name. And then the other one is this uh, one called Baptism of Jesus, but made for some really cool Son of God borderless cards. Um, Unfortunately, we couldn't use those because we couldn't get permission. And it was right before we were going to print, I kind of had to scramble and be like, okay, I I can't get these from Jeff Haney, so what are we going to use? and ended up finding the two pieces that you guys have seen since those have both been spoiled now. And it, by the grace of God, it turned out really well. I had never seen either of those pieces before and even all the art searches that I had done. So I was thankful to find good quality versions of both of those. And, um, you know, a lot of times before we make cards or before we have team calls or before I go on a rabbit trail of searching for art, we just sit down and pray and, uh, this is God's game, and we just want Him to get the glory, and we want it to work out for His best. And uh, we don't want to get the credit. So, even though I had looked for Son of God art multiple times and found nothing, I, I remembered to pray that time. I don't always remember to pray. In fact, I usually try everything else, and then I'm like, oh, I should probably pray. Um, but I, I think I sat down, I'm like, all right, well, none of the art I've tried, I couldn't get a hold of Jeff Amy, nothing's working. God, if you want us to have cool art on these Son of God cards, you're going to have to show me something. And I think I found both of those like really quick, like probably within 30 minutes, which is quick for an art search. Um, so I was really grateful for that. Um, they turned out really good. But the Jeff Haney pizzas would have looked really nice. So I'll share those with the community later. Um, they're both uh, beautiful, beautiful pieces of art. I uh,
0: I just looked up the uh, the one that you mentioned, the baptism one. That one would have been yeah, pretty Yeah, baptism epic. of Jesus. Would have been pretty epic.
1: Yeah. Yep. And his Lion of Judah one is also just really sweet. They look amazing on borderless cards.
0: Yeah. So I do I do think the ones that you guys chose in replacement of those are pretty cool too. And I guess while we're talking about Son of God for the starter decks, I guess it would go without uh, – I don't want it to go – kind of just under the rug here but like what was the discussion to decide to do an old testament version of son of god how how did that conversation go
1: well it wasn't really like a one-time discussion that just happened um it's something that's been tossed around for years like ever since we made the foretelling angel it's like oh well i think originally it was said well we can never make a daniel dominant now um maybe it was the first thing that was said and And then over the years, we're like, oh, we could probably make one or two. Like, Son of God seems like the obvious choice. And and then, uh, I mean, a few years back, I decided, like, whenever we make a starter deck again, I really want there to be a Son of God uh, dominant with a Daniel reference. I just think that'd be amazing. And um, so Chris and Tyler, like, they put the starter decks together, and they were choosing verses and names and everything. But obviously, Son of God was kind of already chosen. We knew that was going to be in there and they hadn't given me verses or anything for it. So when I threw the first test version together, I'd found the the Jeff Haney art to put on those. And um, I just slapped a Daniel reference and everybody was like, hey, that's cool. And so uh, even though there've been a lot of discussions in years past, there really wasn't much of a discussion right now. They saw that and like, yep, that's awesome, we love it. And so it just kind of happened. Um, The community hasn't necessarily realized this yet. But the Daniel son of God is, is really broken. And we're probably going to have to do something to fix that. Um, I'm not sure what that'll be yet. We've discussed maybe a half dozen options. But after we spoiled that, Jaden came to us privately and he's like, guys, do you remember what the Daniel from Cloud of Witness does? And uh, I'll give you a moment to look that up, John. Because
0: okay. So <laughs> I will be your guinea you pig.
1: Have, you'll be my guinea pig. Yeah, John, can you tell us what the Daniel that was released in Cloud of Witness does? And, and nobody probably remembers this because everybody uses the uh, the promo or the legacy rare version of Daniel in their Daniel offenses because he's so good.
0: Okay, so Daniel from Cloud of Witnesses protect Daniel from animals. I, I figure that's probably what breaks Son of God. Not this other part. Probably. <laughs> probably the other part. <laughs> you may shuffle a good daniel card or cloud card in discard pile into deck cannot be negated
1: (laughs) so you can just shuffle son of god over and over and use it again oh my goodness that that doesn't seem like a good idea to me
0: and it doesn't have to be in a daniel centric deck you could just splash this guy into any like cloud base or any anything just recur recur your son of god
1: and get him out quickly with faith because, you know, you can get him out and get him back if I get rid of him. And uh, so there, there will be something that makes that not a thing. Um, I'm not sure what that is yet. And we honestly, we don't have to decide real quick, but discussions are already underway on how we're going to deal with that blunder.
0: Yeah. So you could, you could go Daniel uh, band to heart after God. Shul- so you, you shuffle it and interrupt the battle band, heart after God, just grab it. Rinse and repeat. repeat.
1: Yep, just Son of God every turn. You may never win a battle, but <laughs> you can just dom-rescue every turn. Yeah.
0: So are you guys, uh, like, as far as the so- solution, I know you said conversations are ongoing. Do you think, like, the fact that we have an Old Testament Son of God, do you think, or at least the Daniel reference, do you think that changes on the starter deck card, or is it too early to tell
1: it's definitely too early to tell what we're going to do to fix this or to to make it not busted. Um, I don't know that. I mean, that would probably be my. I, I definitely don't prefer that solution, um, but it kind of depends on what everybody else thinks, too, and, and what our better options are. It's definitely one option to change that reference. And because of the way that we handle print on demand cards, that would mean that any subsequent printings of the starter deck that have a different reference on them, um, would all follow suit. And that Daniel version would have the errata to, to match the new ones. Um, so that's definitely an option. I don't personally like that option and would rather we could stick with the Daniel reference. Um, there are some rule change options we've discussed. Um, there's also the option of, um, simply eradicating or banning that daniel card um, so that it it doesn't work that way or isn't tournament legal Um, so like i said there may be a half dozen options we've discussed and those are a couple of them Um, but we're i wouldn't say we're necessarily close to uh, even deciding we just when we run into a problem like this the first thing we do is we start brainstorming and we start throwing out all the ideas even the bad ones because sometimes from the bad ones, like that inspires others and we start down a rabbit trail and we end up with something really good. So it's it's a good idea to throw out the bad ideas so we can work through those and um, sometimes solve the reason they're bad. So we're not, uh, we're, we're just at the brainstorming phase. We've thrown out good ideas. We've thrown out bad ideas. We try to get all the ideas we could think of out there.
0: So you guys approach uh, card design, The same way that like songwriters do like even if the lyrics bad just throw it out there and let's see and find out what what fits at the end that makes the final piece so
1: yep yeah kind of like that yeah that's that's cool we don't necessarily handle everything like that but uh that that's usually how we try to solve problems is look at all of our options All right. Well, the next thing that John, I believe, brought up on a podcast with you uh, again a few weeks back is um, that before we asked Rob to do a a print of some foil promos for us, we wanted to see what the foils looked like from the new printer. And uh, this is another thing where I just kind of did something and brought it to the team and been like, hey, guys, check this out. So I was looking around on the printer's website for I can't remember what reasons I was on there, but I stumbled across the fact that they now offer foils. And it looks like something they just started offering towards the end of last year. And like, oh, wow, this could be really cool. And so first thing I thought I was, oh, it'd be fun if we could do like all the national promos in foil. And we also had some ideas about doing some tokens because the token generating cards in GOC and I'm like, maybe tokens could be foil. So I just I wanted to make everything foil. Um, so first thing I did was, uh, just send a test batch to print. And in that batch, um, they allow you to do like 18 cards at once. Is kind of how they do things. Um, so I sent to print basically, let, let's see, I have, I have a list here. So the original 18 cards that I printed, um, going to be what we have for the national promos this year. Cause of course I wanted to see what those look like. So we have, um, like the King of Tyrus and the music leader, Uh, foreign wives was in there and uh, what else yeah here the humble lost soul treacherous land Um, there's a couple other cards we had considered for promos this year and i'm not sure we had really nailed things down yet so there was an alternate art version of delivered uh, borderless version of that um, an alternate storehouse and think i needed to fill up a slot so i did that really cool angel of the winds from uh, last year's national promos um so a borderless foil version of that to see what he looked like and then uh, i'd also thrown in the uh the son of gods that i had mocked up with the jeff haney art the baptism of jesus and the line of judah so there's a, a borderless foil version of those and then Let's see here, Uh, eight tokens. So different tokens that we had mocked up for cards from GOC and then a couple Majestic Heavens lost soul tokens that I would mocked up. So 18 cards in total. And uh, those came in and I was really excited about the way they turned out and they looked. I thought they looked pretty darn good. And so we got on our call that week and I was like, all right guys, I, I usually don't turn my camera on. It's usually just a voice call for me. Some of the other guys do video. I don't know like, my guys. I have a reason to turn my camera on tonight. I got to show you this. So I'm showing them the foil cards and we're talking about it. And of course they're, they're really wowed as well, even though the camera does not do them justice. They don't look anywhere near as good on screen as they do in person. Um, but we were getting excited about things. Um, one of the things though, they're, they're, it wasn't all positive. And one of the drawbacks is um, the metallic foil gives everything kind of a silver sheen so the white brigade looks kind of silver and next to silver you can tell the difference but they looked pretty similar well anybody who knows anything about testing stuff uh, if you uh, work in science like scientific method type stuff you know that you need to have constants and i i kind of botched that i messed that up because another thing I was working on, in addition to running across the foils, and this actually might be why I was looking around on their website, um, is the Silver Brigade on Redemption card has changed over the years. And the old cards, way back in the day, one thing they're doing a lot better than modern cards is the silver. Like It looked silver and it like had this metallic look to it. And the new ones just look like gray to me. It looks like the good gray brigade. Um, and as somebody who like pays attention to detail and does design work that that bothers me. So I'm trying to look into silver and how can I make silver look more silver talking to Rob is what I found out is our current printer uses three color printing. And way back when he had that nice shiny metallic silver look, they, they added a fifth color. So they have like five color printing and that's why it's not possible now, but I was still looking into like other shades of silver and what might look better on the cards. And so when I had sent the silver ones, I had sent them with this new shade of silver that I was working on, which is actually lighter. And so that's why it made the silver and white look more alike than they probably should have. So all that to say that um, we had some really cool-looking versions of cards. We decided the the difference between silver and white probably wasn't a big deal. Because you know, for example, somebody that sees your really cool, shiny, borderless music leader isn't there the few of those that are out there like they're going to know that music leader is white they're not going to confuse music leader as an angel Um, so if you have a cool version of that you probably know what you're doing enough to know that he's white brigade so we decided that probably isn't a big deal but then we got to wondering are there other brigades that might not look right on the foil format and they would suggested that i send a a second batch to print to make sure we covered all the different brigades and made sure that everything was looking good. Um, So I tried to do some multi-brigade cards on the second test print and to cover different brigades. One of the things I did was, uh, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. So the borderless cards looked really, really good in foil. Um, The tokens that I had sent weren't borderless. They still had the white trim around the edges like most redemption cards do. And I didn't really like the way that that looked. It looked like they had, like, silver edges instead of white edges. And uh, just it wasn't nearly as aesthetically pleasing to me. I mean, borderless cards always look better, but I thought that uh, the regular cards kind of looked worse. Uh, so not not better. I didn't think they were that cool. So when I sent the second test batch, I made sure everything was borderless. So I had mocked up, like, a, a borderless version of NOAA your your king noah that you always use john nice nice um, i made good seed borderless because it's got all those brigades on there um we wanted to see a curse plus uh, as able to fit some more brigades by using lacking prophecy so i made a borderless lacking prophecy and the lion prophet is another one so i get brown and gray in there uh, so there's a. Number of unique cards in these foil test prints and and none of them are official redemption cards. They all have a back that says like play test card only and it doesn't look like a redemption back. I think it has like just the sword image on there um, but they're all pretty cool. I throw them in my play test decks and obviously not using those in a tournament or anything, but uh, they they look really neat and they're fun to play with
0: so I would assume that someone else is going to have this thought and it's kind of uh, one of the reasons that John told me that I should, you know, reach out to you for the story behind them. But do you plan on at any point releasing any of those into the collector's market for redemption or are they something that you're just going to hold on to?
1: So I don't necessarily feel like it would be right for me to, sell those if i was just like went out and started printing my own versions of stuff and selling it i feel like that um at the very least is unethical um so i'm not gonna sell them um one of the things so there's kind of some out out there right now um because one of the things i did for a group of guys that just diligently play tested goc all through phase one and through phase two Um, So obviously we have the team of elders included there, but there were some other volunteers that uh, they're not even on the elder team. They just worked really hard to playtest GOC with us. And these are the guys that did the significant card stories for the Land of Redemption articles. Um, I took their significant card and I had those printed in foil and I mailed those out to them. So each of those guys has a unique card, uh, just kind of as a thank you. It says it's a playtest card on it, Um, but it's their significant card with their story from GOC. Um, so I have a feeling most of them probably don't want to part with their significant card, but maybe they will someday. And if they decide to sell that, that's, that's fine with me because that's a gift to them. Um, and someday if I part with my collection or part of my collection, these could end up in somebody's hands or if I'm just feeling generous someday, I might give some away. Um, but that's, that's probably the, the extent of it.
0: That's fair enough. I just know that people upon hearing, And knowing that we've done some stuff talking about collectibles within the game, like that's got to be a pretty rare rare thing. And it's really nice to hear the story that you you reached out and you know presented those guys with their special card to them or whatnot. So, you know maybe maybe one day we can see them post some of those images and see what they look like. That'd be pretty cool.
1: Yeah, Jaden actually shared his in a video that he did. Um, He was sharing, Luke Marshall had uh, given him a thank you for helping him on the series that he wrote on Land of Redemption and did some really cool custom cards that he made. Um, I I was really intrigued by that. As somebody who's made a lot of custom cards over the years, even before I did design work for Cactus, um, I I really liked what he did there. So thumbs up to Luke for that. Jaden was sharing some of those. And in that same video, he had also just gotten his Star of Bethlehem oil car that day and he shared that in his video. I think that's the only one that uh, I know of that's been shared publicly though.
0: Nice. I I guess I did not see that that video so guess who's going to be getting some more views on your YouTube channel this week? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, if you miss Redemption to J- with Jaden, you miss a lot.
0: Yeah, so I I every now and then though I like I've gotten out of my routine. It was to where like every Thursday when it posted it was on one of my screens at work. I've got the double screens I worked on one and had him on the other and i I've just been so busy, so I've gotten myself out of that routine and then you know it's it's hard to get yourself back into it
1: so it is i but, I totally agree but
0: i definitely I definitely watch most of his videos that come out. It's just not having that routine, some of them sneak through you know, I go through the week without seeing it.
1: Yeah, I definitely haven't watched them all. I've watched quite a few of them, and I I try to catch them when I can. Um, you know, sometimes they're they're long. It's easy for me to listen to a long podcast. It's not as easy for me to watch a long video, um, so I I don't always get through them all. But I do try, and and I always enjoy it when I have time.
0: So you hear that, Jaden? That's that's a win for the podcast.
1: <laughs> definitely a win. <laughs> so him and Tyler are putting great stuff out there.
0: They are, yeah.
1: And you, and you, for sure.
0: Well, I, I just, most of the information is just there. I'm just bringing guests to it, so.
1: Well, it's it's interesting and fun. I certainly enjoyed uh, having your podcast to listen to on my plane trips back and forth on vacation.
0: Yeah, speaking of that, like, I probably should have asked you how was Hawaii?
1: Yeah, yeah, Hawaii was amazing. Um, Honestly, I've had so many people ask me that, that uh, I'm kind of tired of telling the same old stories. But uh, I mean, just in general, Hawaii was, uh, it was everything I expected. It was a once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, You don't get there on a ministry salary. I have some very generous in-laws who are retired and who have taken us on many fun family vacations. And this was the latest one that they wanted to do. And uh, they took the whole family. So there were eight of us that traveled together. And then uh, my sister-in-law, her husband and their son met us there. and They were there part of the time that we were there as well. And so we had a lot of family fun together. Um, there were a lot of days where my wife and my four kids and I were out exploring the island and doing fun stuff. And um, God showed up a lot of times in some really cool ways and just really blessed our time and blessed our trip. And it was beautiful and it was wonderful. If you can ever get to the island of Kauai, it is the best island in Hawaii from what everybody has told me. And I've only experienced that one, so I don't have any comparison. But for those that have experienced multiple islands, that's what I've heard. And uh, it certainly was amazing while we were there.
0: Fantastic.
1: So I'd uh, seen a couple people maybe asking about the eighteen. 18- additional cards that we were able to add to GOC. They remember there was a time we we're like, hey, guess what, everybody? We're going to add 18 more cards, so this set's going to be bigger than Lineage of Christ. Uh, there were a couple of reasons that we did that. Even with a set as huge as the Gospel of Christ already was, we had had to cut a few things that we weren't really happy with having to cut. And there were also some cards or characters, um, things represented in the Gospels that we hadn't been able to fit in the set. And we really felt like they should be there to represent the Gospels well. Um, So we asked Rob, hey, can we throw in 18 more commons? And he's like, sure, why not? Uh, Because when you're printing that many cards, what is 18 more? (laughs) Uh, So I'm going to share with you guys a list of the 18 cards that we added. Some of these are going to be pretty familiar to you because they were in phase one. Um, So one of the cards was Voice from Heaven. And when we added the 18 more, that is a new one that we added because we wanted there to be a number of common dominants in the set for limited play and the disciples theme. And I think at that point, even a few other cards um, required a reveal of a good dominant from hand to just kind of tie back to the fact that their strength and their power came from Christ. If we were being ultra thematic, it would have said reveal the son of God from your hand. But there's no son of God in the set. So that doesn't work in limited place. So we just use the general term good dominant. So we had a voice from heaven. And with that, we were just trying to do something unique and kind of outside the box with the dominant. Um, Three more cards that uh, really just feel like they probably belong. And these are all reprints. uh, Crown of Thorns, Temple of Veil. and 3 Nails, are 3 cards that were added with the 18 new ones. And you guys have seen Temple Veil and 3 Nails because those are in Phase 1. Um, Crown of Thorns you haven't seen yet, and it's, it's pretty cool. It went through a few different changes, and I, I like where it ended up. Um, it's kind of Golden Calf-ish, but not really. Um, so maybe we'll spoil that one for you guys this week after people have had a chance to listen to the podcast um psyker is another one that got added and i think at that point the gold theme it didn't necessarily have any supporting cards maybe maybe it had samaritan water jar and that was probably it so we added psyker as a city and that was uh that definitely works really well in the gold team a card that had gotten cut from the set was golgotha so Golgotha was on the cutting room floor, and it came back with the 18 more cards. And I'm really glad it did. I feel like it's the only sight, the pure sight in the set, and uh, might be the only pure sight we see for a really long time in the game. So it's fun that that came back and that it's kind of a, a staple in a lot of the, the new decks that run GOC defenses. With adding more cards, we also added another Lost Soul. And uh, that would be the Salty Lost Soul, which is also in Phase 2, and you guys haven't seen yet. And that's a card that went through a number of changes as well. And uh, Tyler came up with a really cool ability for that. It was almost his significant card. Uh, It was definitely one of his top choices there. So excited for you guys to see that when, when the opportunity comes up temptation in the wilderness I believe has been spoiled and you guys have seen that it's a phase two card that made the, the list of the 18 additional cards and uh, another card that had been cut and came back and pretty sure was just unchanged and that's uh, good old St. Patrick. Oh, well, maybe his stats changed. I think he was originally a three, three, and maybe he changed to a three, five. I forget what his stats ended up at. Uh, but St. Patrick came back from the cutting room floor and, um, the Great Commission is another one that got added there. Tyler and Chris had actually given us a version of Great Commission, and I think it had some gold on it at the time. Um, but it ended up, obviously, as clay and purple and in phase one. But that's a card that came back and underwent some changes. We also added the 13th Disciple, Matthias, at that time. And the Bethany Trio and the two enhancements that go along with them. So... Mary, Martha, and Lazarus of Bethany. Um, convincing Miracle and Hospitality in Bethany. So all the Bethany stuff is a phase two. Um, the Herods were just a little shorter on characters than other defenses were. So we added, uh, Tyler came up with the Abusive Soldiers, which I believe have been spoiled. And we ended up reusing some John Tiss- or JJ Tissot art on that from Take as a Slave, an Apostles card had a really awful like sepia looking piece of that art on it so you may not even recognize that it's the same art as that card but it's now on abusive soldiers and looks way better. and then the card that ended up being Tyler's significant card is the swordd spirit. so if I didn't miss anything that gives us 18 more cards that we added and uh, that's that's what came out of that a lot of them you saw in phase one nothing too crazy on that list but like some pretty key cards in the Gospels Uh, Nicodemus was another card that felt like he wanted to come in with those 18 more and was kind of missing and obviously we got him as a national promo so that's where he made his debut but he kind of felt like he should be there too
0: Yeah, there's definitely some that you know, you just look at the title and it seems like it should have been there so glad that those 18 came in I guess 18 would be significant. Is that how many are printed on a sheet from the printers?
1: Yes. They uh, they do it in batches of 18. Uh, that's kind of why I had printed 18 foils when I did that first test run of foils. Uh, did 18 of those. So 18 is, uh, uh, I guess they call them a deck, but it's probably basically a sheet of cards. Gotcha. So let's see from that list here. We haven't spoiled crown of thorns and we haven't spoiled the salty lost soul, but there's a couple cards we should probably show you guys this week.
0: I mean, I'm not going to tell you that we shouldn't see those. So heck yeah. Let's see them.
1: Yep. Well, not one of those 18, but another card we should probably show you. And I think this is uh Another softball that John early threw me is uh, the Annunciation. It's a Nativity card and it's kind of a reprint of a card called Birth Foretold that you guys may be familiar with. It was a silver card in the past. Uh, so that card had uh, let's see here Birth foretold originally I can't remember what art it had on it because originally we used the uh, the original art. But the piece, it's it's not bad. It's just not the best quality. It
0: looks like Henry Tanner. Henry
1: Tanner, yeah, and it's kind of yellowish. Um, well, the best quality art I could find from that was, was very yellowing. And uh, so it wasn't bad. There's also a nice piece by John Tussaud that um, shows that, that situation where, you know, the angels appearing before Mary and announcing that she's going to bear the Son of God. Um, so we start out by uh, switching over to that piece. And obviously we changed the title of the card. And that was really early on. Once we started switching art on the characters uh, from the angels and the demons and using that kind of comic book style art, um, the way that angels were depicted in the Tasso art was kind of, uh, well, they're kind of weird. He does some really great art. I love a lot of the stuff he does. But the angels were kind of like this white blob with a face and all these lines coming out around them and uh i don't know they just they just don't strike me as being um i'm not even sure how to describe them they they just don't they don't appeal to me i guess is what i'm trying to say so what we ended up doing is blending two pieces of art there's something from the angel wars comics that depicts the figure that we uh, have seen on the gabriel that was spoiled since it was john's significant card and um, and then this to sew piece that has Mary sitting there, so you've got this classic to sew piece, and blended with that is this cartoon or not cartoon comic book style art that has the figure for Gabriel there. so I mean I'm sure there's probably some people that that blend is not going to appeal to. I think it's kind of neat to see the the two worlds collide myself. um that's definitely a card that I'll spoil in the coming week, and um. I like the way that it shows like the physical realm and the spiritual realm meeting together. So I I will definitely drop that card for you guys to check out. Um, That's a fun piece of art too where we got to do another cool 3D effect. So you guys can look forward to seeing that in the coming week. But kind of a unique piece that ended up in GOC phase two. So possibly the card in GOC that underwent the most changes From beginning to end, is the Star of Bethlehem. Um, That card underwent so many changes. Again, we were trying to do something fairly different, fairly new. Um, The way it started out, it had a star ability, but it was very different than what you guys have seen. Um, It said something along the lines of uh, top deck a star card from discard pile or play a nativity fortress from reserve. Um, So that would be the star ability on there. And then That was actually in addition to, and I want to say John early, he came up with this either during LOC or POC. I forget which one, but John came up with the Star of Bethlehem card. He's like, hey, we should totally do this in the gospel set. And uh, basically, it's just a dominant that said, you may activate the star ability of this card and reveal any number of star cards from your hand and activate this Sorry, that first part was added in. John's ability was just reveal any number of star cards from your hand and activate their star abilities in any order. And when we gave the card a star ability, we also allowed it to activate its own ability. So that was a little bit of an addition. But a dominant that just activates any number of star cards in your hand seems really cool. And then when we started playtesting, it was really hard to accumulate a hand that had all the right star abilities in it And you had this really niche dom that was really hard to play. So it didn't keep that ability very long because if we're going to make a dominant, we at least want it to be good and people to use it, right? We don't want it to be the the new version of uh, doubt from priests where it's kind of the laughing stock of dominance. Um, So the second rendition of the card, uh, when we got to round two of the Gospel of Christ set, um, the star ability had changed to just stop deck, top deck, a star card from the discard pile. And it says as a special ability, you may activate any number of star abilities on star cards you control. And then it allowed you to reveal your hand and discard pile, and you could activate any number of star abilities on those cards as well. So now any star cards that you've had basically the entire game, unless they've gotten reserved or banished or something, you get to activate them. So now you have a much wider selection of star abilities to activate. And so that was feeling a lot better, but it did kind of dictate the order you had to activate those in. So it was first the cards you control, and then you could do your hand and discard pile. So that was working out okay. And then the third round, we tried to kind of streamline that so you could choose the order of everything. And it said you can reveal your discard pile and any number of star cards from your hand, and you could activate any number of star abilities on those cards and cards you control so still selecting the same groups of cards but you could activate them all in any order and uh, at this point there was still no limit on the star cards you could activate and you may have caught on that it wasn't good or evil either you could just activate any star cards so it had gotten pretty broad and at that point we're like okay this is this is broad it brings a decent amount of testing And it could be pretty broken, but we hadn't necessarily seen any ways that it was yet. And uh, one of the comments that came back from testing though, is that it just doesn't really feel like it fits the nativity theme at all. Uh, So we ended up changing the star ability in round four to the draw X that you guys are familiar with now, and X is the number of your nativity heroes. There was no limit on it at that time. Whatever X happened to be, you could draw that many cards. Uh, which obviously we found was maybe a little bit abusive later, so that ended up changing. Um, But it had basically the same special ability. You were still activating from that huge pool of any star abilities that you had had the entire game. Um, So it stayed like that for a little while. Um, With one exception, it did get a limit. Um, We put a limit of once per game because we realized that there were already a couple cards in in existence that could recur it. Um, One of the minor prophets, Malachi maybe, and um, Prince, uh, oh, the coming Prince, the coming Prince, both of those cards could get it back. So you could just use the star over and over and over. And we probably didn't want that to be the case. So we added a limit to it. And then amazingly, in round six and seven of the gospel set, it did not change. So it stayed the same for a little while before it finally ended up the way you guys see it today in round eight. So part of the reason it ended up the way that it did, though, is because with the broad ability to activate any star abilities you have, good or evil, uh, Jaden, I believe, is the one that figured this out for us. But um, there were, there's some characters in, in GOC. And I don't know if you guys have seen these yet or not, but they have a star ability that says you can activate or sorry, you can top deck a dominant from each hand. So you could top deck your opponent's dominant. with a the star ability. And we've all seen several star abilities in GOC that says you can reserve the top card of your opponent's deck and, and delivered. is probably one of the most popular cards in decks right now. Tyler puts it in every deck he makes and uh, it discards the top card of your opponent's library with the star library. Am I playing magic? No deck. The top <laughs> card of your opponent's deck. Um, <laughs> I haven't played magic for like a decade. I don't know where that came from. Um, the top card of your opponent's deck. Um, so, I mean, you could top deck their dominance and then discard or reserve them. Um, so we decided to limit star Bethlehem to just good star abilities. There were, There were some other maybe abusive situations not quite as bad as that with evil cards and i'd like to point out you can still do that but you have to convert your evil character first to a hero and then you can still use that star ability that'll top deck dominance from their hand but at that point we figured you've worked hard enough you've earned it so there was that problem um jaden also ran into another thing um the burning up the chaff card that you spoiled for us a couple weeks back at one point it had the star ability to just discard an evil card and uh that was probably fine if you activated it as a star ability but when you could activate that off of star bethlehem it suddenly turned it into a battle winner Um, through a star ability which was kind of weird and people are going to be like can i negate that if so how do i negate it like it was uh it was a weird situation the the answer is that you can negate the star ability with one of the very few ways there are to negate star abilities um not even sure if there's a way to negate new testament star abilities in somebody's hand though so we decided having uh, battle winners on star abilities was maybe not a good idea and that one changed Um, And it also got the limit six, and we decided limit twice per game was probably fair. And that way, if you really wanted a second coming or recur Star of Bethlehem, you could use it a second time. So that's how it ended up where it was. It went through a lot of changes and probably more strict testing than than a lot of the other cards in GOC because we were trying to do something different and it had huge potential for brokenness if you set up the right situations, we felt. So that was, uh, that was, it was a fun card to make. Um, it was, it's always fun to try and do different things or things that are a little bit outside the box, but they take a lot of extra work. So hopefully you guys found that story fun, um, all the changes that Star of Bethlehem went through. And maybe you'll appreciate that more when you've actually had a chance to play with it. I don't remember at what point in testing it was, but I had a game where my nativity deck on the first turn, I had both Mayhem and Star of Bethlehem in there. And Star of Bethlehem, I don't think it had the limit six at the time. Um. And there's a nativity character that generates tokens. So it was really easy to get a bunch of heroes pretty quick, especially if you had other ways to generate cards and and get to more heroes. Um, So I want to say that I went through most of my deck on turn one. This was without a widow combo. It was without the high places combo. This was just like Mayhem, Star of Bethlehem, and a few other acceleration pieces. So that may not have been the best thing. And uh, I think that's part of why I got the limit six on there.
0: I will say from my end, hearing like all the changes in the process of taking the idea of something that John had potentially back during prophecies of Christ when, you know, just when we make the gospel set, do this cool ability and seeing all the changes, that definitely gives an appreciation for what you guys do on the back end. Um, I do have one question. Like when you guys settled on, like after round eight or, or so, here on your list where you settled on what the ability ended up being was there any type of like how how much did you have to test before you are like okay that's it because you had made so many changes did you were you like just as soon as you made that change you were like okay well this has got to be it or was there like a lot of testing to make you comfortable with where it was at that point
1: I think at that point we were fairly comfortable with where it was, but Nativity did go through another round of testing in at least a couple different players' hands. Um, so the the list went through nine rounds of changes. The uh, round ten was the final version that includes both phases. Um, so phase one probably went through five rounds. Um, we felt like those cards were were okay and ready to go, and then phase two, which was our primary. We didn't focus as heavily on the phase two cards in the first five rounds, um, even though there was some testing for those. But they, they got all the attention in rounds six, seven, eight, and nine. Um, so it had a little bit of testing after that, but we had done enough testing with it. We felt like we had addressed the problems that we were seeing, which is more where we were at. You know, we stopped the, the multiple recursion. We stopped the crazy unlimited drawing and also the crazy unlimited amount of star abilities. We still wanted it to be good and powerful and worth a spot in a nativity deck or even a deck that has a decent number of nativity hero, heroes in it, even if it's not entirely nativity focused. Um, or that just uses the angel that generates nativity tokens, maybe. So it might just work creating an angel deck if that's the direction you're going.
0: Potentially force that into an angel party style deck.
1: Yeah, if you want a massive draw. I mean. To put it in your deck for just a straight-up draw six, um, that's the reason some people use Mayhem. They just want it for acceleration. Um, in order to get the plus six on Mayhem, you've got to be able to get your hand down to zero. Um, otherwise, you're not gaining six more cards. And with Star Bethlehem, you just got to have six Nativity Heroes down, and it's an automatic draw six. So people might play a Dominant for a straight draw six. Um, it, it's definitely worth a consideration it always helps to be able to activate some star abilities that, you know, you couldn't trigger on your own too. That, that's always helpful. Yeah.
0: Did you guys ever consider putting, uh, with some of the, the different stages of changes, did you guys ever consider making it a unity card or did you want it to be playable with things outside of nativity?
1: Um, I don't know if unity was ever considered for this one. I, I don't remember that entering the discussion. That doesn't mean that it didn't happen, uh, but I don't recall that. I think it's something we wanted to be at least somewhat useful outside of nativity. So I I don't think that that entered the discussion. With dominance, uh, they're usually something that we don't want to completely pigeonhole to one thing. Like even when we made um, Lead Astray in Lineage of Christ and it was, you know, unity, me, lost souls, and that was only brown in Lineage of Christ, we knew at that point that gray and black, the Pharisees and Sadducees, were going to be meek lost soul defenses in some fashion in gospel of Christ. So we made that card knowing that it would fit it with gospel of Christ defenses later as well. And we've thrown a few cards around that promote an offense that wants to have meek lost souls. Not as many. There's not like full support out there for an offense. But that's not to say that we won't ever build that out further. Uh, so we make something like that even with unity we know that it's going to fit in more than one deck even if it can't fit in every deck
0: that's that's fair so kind of kind of a neat little thing like when i see abilities and obviously from this side i don't have the experience doing anything with card design and i see really strong abilities that are potentially being abused unity just seems like one of the easiest ways to uh to kind of kind of nip that in the bud so i guess Nice to see the, the different list of changes here that you went over, and that wasn't even a consideration. So,
1: Yeah, Unity is definitely an easy way to fix stuff. I think when we first... Well, so Unity wasn't necessarily new in Fall of Man. Um, the term Unity was, but there had already been several cards around in the past that essentially had Unity. You know, like if all your heroes are Genesis, and then this character's ability works. Oh. So we've had cards like that around for a long time we just gave it a name um and we called it unity so unity wasn't new then, but we come up with the term and if you look at some of the fall of man cards like in hindsight i think we kind of overused unity on some of those because it was a new thing and they didn't really need unity probably (laughs) um so we're maybe a little more apprehensive to to slap unity on stuff uh at this point because we don't want to overuse it Uh, maybe. At least that's kind of the way I feel. I don't know about the other guys. So in phase one, um, we basically got all of the straight clay cards. We got our clay covenant, we got a bunch of clay enhancements, but anybody that has paid attention to the numbering realizes there's a clay card missing in phase one. Um, if you've looked at the phase two checklist, you know, the name of that card is called power of the spirit and power of the spirit was, uh, easily one of my favorite cards to play in and play testing. Um, uh, part of the reason for that is I just like doing fun, broken stuff. Um, so that's, uh, that's, that makes power of the spirit quite fun, but we saved it for phase two because there was the potential for maybe some pretty abusive brokenness. and um, essentially you could make that card into a samuel's edict on steroids it had the ability to negate and then clear out uh a a large number of things and with something like a church of christ token or i believe it's bartholomew is the disciple that can make gospel enhancements uh cbn and there might be a garden tomb lady that does that as well um the power of the spirit had the potential to be like a Samuel's edict on steroids. And so it, we, we saved that to test more in phase two before we would release something like that. Um, you know, we just did rotation. We don't want to throw a worse version or a, a more powerful version of Samuel's edict out there and, uh, warp the environment. Uh, so we did save that and it ended up changing. Um, let me see if I can find Power of the Spirit on my list here real quick. And that's another card maybe we'll spoil for you guys this week. Um, really cool piece of JJ to sew art on there where Jesus is just like looking up to the sky. and You can just uh, imagine him talking to his Heavenly Father. And it has uh, stats of 2x. It's just a solid clay enhancement. And x is the number of your meek clay heroes. So uh, with Church of Christ, we know we can get plenty of those. The star ability on this card is going to be pretty familiar to you guys. If uh, you remember some of the lineage of Christ, um, each of the four uh, major characters in the line had an enhancement with a star ability that said, reveal hand. If there is no hero, play a meek clay hero from deck is what this one says. So I want to say uh, David's descendant, uh, Boaz offspring, Zerubel's plumb Plumline, and I think Abraham's Descendant all have that ability too. So there is a card in GOC with that type of ability that'll get a Meek Clay Hero out for you, and it is Power of the Spirit. Um, so the way the ability ended up on this, though, is that you can negate an evil or neutral card. If it's used by a Meek Hero, you may discard up to X evil and or neutral cards instead. So that would be instead of negating... I think originally it negated an evil or neutral card, and then if it was used by a me hero, you could discard up to X, um, and that that's where it was broken. And so we decided that you either need to negate or discard; you don't get to do both, <laughs> especially if it's uh, you know potentially going to be CBN on those uh, tokens or or one of those heroes I mentioned. So still a really powerful card. I expect that to see a decent amount of play as a battle winner for clay offenses, um, but probably not going to be the busted card that it was during some of our testing.
0: That's probably a welcome thing for the community. You know, you mentioned not having a worse version of something that was broken pre rotation in the rotation environment. So nice to see you guys realize that and took care of that beforehand.
1: Yeah. The, there's a number of times that we get to do that. We see things and as, uh, as players, a competitive players, some of us like Tyler, myself, and John especially. Um, and we, we really love these things. We have fun playing with them. So, for example, two of the cards you covered as spoilers today, the Messianic Messenger and the Magi. Both of those at one point during playtesting Um, right now they have two abilities on there. You may do this one thing, or you may do the other thing. And it has to do with getting a card from your deck or banding. Both of them didn't have the or. You could get the card from the deck, and you could band. And if you look back at, like, Joshua from Cloud of Witnesses or Michael, the ultra-rare version, those cards have the either or. You either get the card out, or you can band to essentially the card you could get out. You don't get to grab a card and ban to it. Um, so both of those cards got toned down, and we were sad to see them change because they were really fun to play test that way. Um, but we realized that's probably not good for the game. Uh, so going back to per- Persecuted Church, though, there are a couple characters in there that get to search and ban for the uh, the specific church themes. So that was before maybe we realized that. Cards shouldn't do it all at one time. We're going to have people going back and digging through the persecuted church list. Why are these broken cards, Gabe's talking about? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I think the last card I want to tell you guys about today is a phase two card, and he's crimson, and his name is the rich young ruler. Um, during probably like ninety nine percent of play testing. Um, The rich young ruler was one of our evil characters in the Crimson Brigade, and we really liked the way he worked. He was a pretty awesome character, and he's in the Gospels. It makes sense to have the rich young ruler in the set, Uh, but he didn't necessarily fit with what we were doing. Crimson is thieves, and so we had all these amazing Crimson crimson characters that were thieves, and they all worked really well together. And a lot of their enhancements are like, if this is used by a thief, then you get to do cool stuff. Um, and then we have the rich young ruler who is a seven, five evil character. And he says, well, first of all, he has an identifier. It's X and X equals the number of your opponent's good brigades. And so I'd mentioned earlier, uh, on the discussion where we had star abilities, you could top deck a dominant from each hand. He's got that star ability. So that's maybe one you hadn't seen yet. Now, you know where that's coming from. And uh, his special ability as an evil character is you may draw X or play an NT Fortress from deck. So X is the opponent's good brigades. And I mean, people are playing Noah right now. So there's nine, uh, quick draw nine from the rich young ruler. And he may ban to a New Testament Crimson Human, and he cannot be negated. So really cool, really powerful evil character, um, but not a thief. So that was a bit of a disappointment to us. Uh, you know, he's he's not going to function with all the other Crimson cards. So we decided late in the game that we really got to change this guy to a thief. And so there's honestly not a lot of verses in the New Testament. When you see these thief cards, you're going to be like, oh, they use the same verse a couple times or maybe even like three times on some of these cards because are just not that many verses that talk about thieves, even though there's there's some. Um, so what we ended up doing is, you may have seen a card on the Phase Two list called the Highwayman, um, the rich young ruler got his verse changed and his name changed to the Highwayman, which is a term that is used to refer to to thieves, at least in modern day society. It's probably not a biblical term. Uh, you're not going to find Highwayman in the Bible, but you will find him talking about thieves, and and that's what that means. So there's another spoiler for you, and uh, another card maybe we'll we'll drop in the spoiler channel for you guys so you can actually see the the real deal this week.
0: Nice. The Highwayman was one that when John was on and the set list dropped, I was like, okay, that one that one sounds pretty cool. So nice to nice to know what it does. So that gives Thieves a CBN draw character. To kind of combat, I guess, Matthew and things on the offensive side, you know, when you get into uh, GOC only booster draft and things of that nature. So seems like a, a good way to balance that out.
1: Yes. Yeah. And he can grab that New Testament fortress, too, which is fairly important. Um, thieves have a lot of way to steal cards and they have a fortress that then allows them to play those cards no matter what brigade they are. So it's kind of important for thieves to have their fortress if they're going to function well. And that's
0: Den of Thieves, right?
1: Den of Thieves would be that one, yep.
0: Nice. It's another
1: card that went through quite a few changes. Not as many as Star of Bethlehem, but quite a few.
0: Nice, nice. So we get some stories and we get some spoilers here. So
1: Yeah, stories, spoilers. Uh, you just got to get me talking. That's all it <laughs> takes.
0: <laughs> so... Uh, let me ask you this because we did kind of touch on, you know, with some of our spoilers from the week. They were Nativity, and then you talked a good bit about the Star of Bethlehem and all the changes they went through. And you mentioned that Nativity was one of the the things that during testing was one of the most fun to play. So, what's the experience of like once you build that? How how does it play? And then, like, we know that the cards are trying to play kind of opposite of the way that most, like, at least current meta decks are doing where they're generating all this resource to where they have it in hand so they feel more confident going into battle. And this is going into battle and relying on other things to generate those resources, you know, upon you being in battle without cards in your hand. So how's the experience of piloting a deck like that? And how does it how does it play? Um, I'm gonna. I,
1: I will definitely answer that question. I'm gonna give you a little bit of a backstory first, and that is like a well, a year ago, this past Christmas, so that'd be like Christmas 2020, when we first started showing a few nativity cards, and we were maybe trying to put those together. The nativity theme, the way we had tied that together initially, was thinking like, you know, Christ came, He came to do away with sin and evil and um, so the nativity theme a lot of what it was doing was it was negating things it was negating evil Um, and it was really hard to see that theme running through the nativity cards and to make them like this cohesive cool thing based on just negating things or negating evil Um, it just doesn't make that cool of a theme and so they were still like that during phase one of testing Part of the reason we saved them for phase two is they just didn't feel right. They didn't feel like they were doing uh, what a good theme should. They didn't feel cohesive. And so it was around Christmas time this year when those cards, the, the abilities functionally stayed kind of the same. A lot of them did. But they ended up changing to be this, uh, either you don't want to have a hand, you want to have a really low hand, or you at least want your opponent to have hand advantage. Um, Jesus lowered himself to the the point of a human. He, he was born in a stable, not in a hospital. He spent his first night in a manger, not in a crib or a bassinet. Um, he really lowered himself. So this idea of uh, lowliness and having a low hand is where that comes from. Um, and all of a sudden nativity has like this really cohesive theme and it feels like it gels together and all wants to work together so um again that was like divine intervention to save us from making a terrible nativity theme um that god gave that inspiration to us so i'd played zebulon decks back in the day and i really enjoyed zebulon i think it was nationals in boston which might have been like 2010 i had a type 2 zebulon deck i think i went undefeated in type 2 with that deck it was just awesome it was fun to play you could have a completely empty hand and just like wreck people get free souls with zebulon Um, you had to have a defense that was able to get some auto blocks or chump blocks or lock people out somehow and uh, that's kind of the idea how a zebulon deck plays um, and it's also the idea how Nativity plays, or at least the way I was testing Nativity. I really enjoyed that with the Zebulon deck, so that's part of why I enjoyed it with Nativity. Uh, it's not a ton different than some of the decks are playing today. So when I built my Nativity test deck, um, if you guys have played a deck like John's Hashtag Mayhem that is focused on trying to take advantage of Mayhem, you just want to be able to set everything down and play all your cards and then play Mayhem. So that's kind of how the nativity deck works, at least the way I was using it, where I just want to be able to set everything down. So a lot of my enhancements were, I think maybe all my enhancements were territory class. I have a, a large number of characters in there, so I can set all that down. Um, obviously, dominance can tend to clog your hand if you don't play those right away. But basically, you just everything you have in the deck, you can play out. And if there's cards that you need to have in hand, you might be hiding those in the reserve with ways to get to those. So that's kind of how it played out. And I found it to be a lot of fun. Modern decks are playing that way, even though they keep some cards in hand and some resources in hand. But, you know, I see people going into battle with a band that involves, you know, maybe Jehoiada or King, um, King Jehoiada? No, not Jehoiada, King Jehoshaphat, and then Zadok, and then like Jeremiah or Noah. So they're going out there. They're not really expecting to play enhancements. They're expecting that my characters are powerful enough that they're going to beat you and I don't need anything else. And they may have done some things to attack your hand and make sure you don't have a way to beat them anyways. Um, But I see a lot of people implementing that kind of strategy in type one right now. So it's kind of what Nativity is doing, only taking a different approach. And it doesn't need to keep cards in hand to, to pull that off if everything's going well.
0: Nice, nice. That's pretty cool in the backstory there. And also cool, kind of, I mentioned it in Discord when you guys uh, shared some of these nativity cards, is seeing the fact that this kind of started from the Zebulon style deck that was based on one character and using that ability to create a whole subset of characters and things that are, you know, tying a deck strategy together here in GOC several years later. It's pretty cool to see that kind of mechanic evolve over time and be used. So... Definitely, definitely like seeing that.
1: Yeah, it really is. And it's kind of amazing that it had never happened before. Uh, Somebody who really enjoyed that in the past, I've always had in the back of my mind, like, oh, I would love to design a a low hand theme strategy and and make a theme based on that. And in all the sets that I've been a part of, like, it's never clicked. I never remembered. And it's just never happened, even though it's uh, come up in my mind so many times, um, but again, I feel like God just kind of blocked that out and he had us save it for this nativity theme, uh, because it represents who he is and how he chose to rescue us. Um, so the fact that it never happened before is, is because, uh, I really feel like God just blocked that out of my memory. And once we started talking about that as a team, like everybody was on board and they were so supportive of it and loved that direction. Um, so it is really cool to see like one old card sparked an entire theme, um, how that, that can happen just from from one card? There's a lot of design space left in Redemption that we've never touched on, and uh, I think the game has an amazing future ahead of it. It's in uh, the the new set designs, obviously. It's in new hands now with Chris and Tyler, and those guys have a ton of fresh ideas and uh, new design space to work with. And and there's just there's so much cool stuff coming. It, it's going to be really awesome.
0: Yeah, definitely. Like knowing that the game you know, what the future is for the game and knowing who's in charge of that and kind of, you know, getting to introduce them here with the podcast or whatnot, knowing that the the game is in good hands, even though, you know, you're kind of stepping away from being that lead designer now. So I guess I, I feel privileged, I guess, that I've gotten to talk to you all through, well, I guess most of you elders, but, but especially like Chris and Tyler, now that they're taking over, we've had them on the podcast here. They're accessible for the community and the community gets to, you know, interact with them knowing that they're the ones making cards. That's a pretty cool concept that, you know, we've all, we've had that relationship with you now in the community and whatnot in other card games, you're not you're not talking to the people that are directly making the cards and I think that's something that's unique to Redemption and it's nice to see that, you know, that as the torch is passing it's still going to be a thing.
1: Absolutely. It's kind of like what you mentioned at the beginning of the call where, you know, you get to nationals and you think the top players are going to be this elite group. And they're not, they're just regular guys, just like you. Um, they just happen to be good at a specific card game maybe. Um, you know, and it's kind of that way with our leadership team too. We're just a bunch of guys that love redemption and we love redemption players and we love hanging out with the redemption community. And, um, so I expect that to always be the case where the leadership team is accessible because we're, we're really just you guys on the other side of things. Um, we're, we're all one big, happy family that loves the Lord and, and loves this game.
0: Yep. So I guess we'll get ready to wrap up here and definitely want to thank you, Gabe, for coming on and kind of giving us another look behind the curtain and, and telling us some stories from the other side on the design design side of GOC and, you know, especially even, you know, the, the promos and things where we're getting foil cards from the printer, just getting to hear the backstory on how all of that is coming to be. So appreciate you coming on and doing that.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. It's fun to do that stuff. And it's definitely fun to share with you guys uh, the stories about how those things come to be and and how they have.
0: And obviously, we also want to thank our listeners. We want to thank you guys for tuning in each week and listening to the podcast, helping it be a platform for the community that it is. And with that, this is a reminder to get in your week six riddle answers. I guess not riddle. It's a trivia this this week. So get in your trivia answer. And that question again was who first and last name designed the fan created star Wars set of cards. So make sure you get that in and week six, we'll compile all of the reviews of the podcast entries along with whoever answers the question correctly this week. So looking for A ton of entries into next week. Again, I think I'm not going to be able to use the, you know, the little spin wheel app that I've been doing because I think there's just going to be too many entries since, you know, the same name will potentially be on there four times. So we'll probably have to go to the old shoebox style, you know, write names down, crumble up the paper, and then shake it up and pick a name out. But we'll get that and we'll provide, you know, our final winner of a contender deck and a play mat. Again, thanks to Your Turn Games and Covenant Games. And with that, we'll go ahead and sign off here. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Peace. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Threshing 4 podcast. I want to thank you all for tuning in and listening along. Also want to thank Gabe for coming on and sharing some of those stories with us from Beyond the Curtain, Beyond the Veil. And Want to remind you to get in your answers for your week six giveaway for the remaining contender deck and play mat, and also if you have not done reviews for the podcast, make sure you submit those to get your additional up to three entries, so you can maximize that four entries per person, and we'll give away that next week as we wrap up the six week giveaway. Thank you guys so much for listening and helping the podcast be what it is. Love you all. Peace.